0: Welcome to The Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Debrief Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's questions. We've got some great ones.
1: I know, great questions. Thanks for keeping it real.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sending them in. We love hearing from you, and we can't wait to hear all that Pastor Matt has to say about these. So, yep, a little
1: little nervous about these questions. Yeah, they're awesome. Okay.
0: This is Denise from Ukaipa. It says, in your most recent episode, you said, paraphrasing, Mm -hmm. if a woman who stays at home wants to be a Proverbs 31 woman, she needs to get a job. Right. I was a stay-at-home mom for about 12 years, and I wasn't sure if you're referring to stay-at-home mothers or just women who stay at home and don't work. I'll say I worked incredibly hard as a stay-at-home mom, and I don't regret the years I stayed home to raise my children and take care of my family. I work hard now as an ER nurse. I would love to discuss this and hear more of what you meant and hear more of your thoughts on the subject. I respect you as my pastor and the position God has put you in. So I'd like to hear more.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. So uh, I apologize for triggering you. I think that was like an off the cuff comment that I made. Might have been. And so, um, does she give her name? Denise. Denise. Yeah. So I think that was an off the cuff comment. So I apologize for that really quickly. And so just this whole paradigm of stay at home mom versus working mom is foreign to the context of Proverbs 31. Right. So a stay at home mom, when the book of Proverbs would have been written, would have been a wealthy mom. mom, princess, you know, tribal elder mom, like extreme privilege. And most women in the ancient world would not have understood the category Mm. because you would have had your children and continued to work because you worked to eat. Mm -hmm. And so this is just one of those things where, um, you know, being able to be a stay-at-home mom is a privilege because what it means is that you have the socioeconomic uh, ability, either via a husband or family, that allows you to focus on the kids when they're little. And so that's a real blessing in that. What I meant by that is a lot of Christian women think they're a Proverbs 31 woman because they stay at home. And the joke is not that that's bad or good, every family should pray about it, but that the woman in Proverbs 31 raises her family and works. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing that's missing. So I wasn't trying to say one way or the other, and I'm not trying to say that women who stay at home don't work, obviously they work. And I think each family needs to make a decision uh, for what's best for their family. There are some instances where the woman makes so much more money than the man that right. the man stays at home because our modern society is so different in that way. So I wasn't trying to make a statement about what's better or worse. It's just that I've met so many Christian women who you know, idolize Proverbs 31 but miss the meaning of what she's yeah. doing. And what she's doing is she's juggling multiple hats yep. in that text uh, she can you know raise the kids at home she uh, can earn money and uh, and allows her husband to be respected at the center gates it's just it's just a very very different context and and so that's one of the things that's so hard when we interpret scripture is understanding what God wants me to do in my modern life as I look back into the ancient world and so <clears throat> ideally um, I think that children, uh, are, are best raised when one or both parents can focus on the raising of the child. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I think that's fantastic what you did. I think that I, I celebrate that. And that's not to say that you didn't work then or and you do work now. Both are work and both are a sacrifice. Yeah, and so you need to pray f- through that and for that. Um, when I started Sandals Church, I was a stay-at-home mom with my girls. Yeah, for two years. And Tammy was the primary uh, breadwinner. Income earner for us, and so um, that was tough. Yeah. uh, And then with our son, the church had grown, and I was able to uh, go to work and make a living, and so and we switched that with our son. Mm -hmm. So, I personally think our girls were raised better, but that's just me.
2: Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I think when you read through that passage, she's doing. A lot.
1: She's, everything. She's
0: doing everything. She's she's raising her kids. She's got a business. She has servant girls. Yeah. She's uh, making sure her husband is well taken care of. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that yeah, was... Yeah, so
1: I think that the confusion is, you know, kind of the 1950s version, stay-at-home sure. mom. Right. You know, all the men came back from the war. And, and there was really an economic crisis in our country because women, for the first time in America, had done so much. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to the black community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, blacks... Um, in in America had enormous uh, privileges for the first time socioeconomically because, A, they were paid an equal wage. That was one of the big things that happened was during the defense bills, um, black activists said, hey, we want to serve America, but we want to be paid equally. And so that's one of the exciting things. Uh, A lot of people think Martin Luther King but it really started in the 40s mm-hmm. um, during World War One. Mm-hmm. World War One, World War II, and that's really where uh, that got, got its move, but then they came back, and a lot of black people lost their jobs, mm-hmm. and that's really where the ghettos come from, in Watts, and Long Beach. Uh, you know, why were there so many black people there? Because during the war, they were working, making, making the things so that the vast majority of our soldiers were white. There were black units mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but uh, America was still racist back then, so there was still a lot of issues there, but women worked and women did amazing things. So then they come back and it's like, what do we do? Well, you become a stay at home mom mm-hmm. and you buy things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so you think of, uh, I love Lucy mm-hmm. kind of that mentality of, of what it's like. And so that really kind of became Christian.
2: Yeah. Which mm-hmm. it
1: wasn't, it was just fifties Americana
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it created, it created an economic boom, but it also created an economic uh, struggle. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know so we just need to say okay god what do you want me to do mm-hmm. as we raise our children what i would say is parenting needs to be intentional mm-hmm. and and vision oriented what do we want for our kids what, what what do we want this to look like and really what what are the rules of your life and so you know you're either going to establish rules for your family or or the world's rules will rule over your family so you have to figure that out so i apologize for just that real quick kind of side note that maybe cough you caught you off guard and so i apologize for that I appreciate that but I think that both working in the home and outside of the home are valid. You need to pray through that and work through that as long as the kids are getting the amount of time they need because kids need a lot of time and those years are precious mm-hmm. and important in terms of their development.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've always <clears throat> le- needed a little bit of both. I love to work, mm-hmm. but I had to, if I was away for too long, I started feeling like I was missing out on all the things. So, Yeah,
1: some women go crazy in the home. I've seen yeah. it. They just, yeah. they just can't. They can't do it. And I don't mean like crazy, like I'm not. Yeah, stir be- crazy. Yeah, I'm not meaning like right. speaking against a woman's emotions. I'm just saying that is not for them. Yeah, They need adult interaction. Mm-hmm. They have a skill set uh, and they want to do something on top of that. And it also comes down to the individual personality of a woman. We can all spin so many plates. Mm-hmm. Some can spin one. Absolutely. Some can spin ten. And what you have to figure out as a woman or a man is how many can I spin without them all crashing? Absolutely. Because that's when you find your threshold and the family suffers if plates are dropping.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. so good. Thank you so much. Okay. Ren from Grand Terrace Yeah, says, God forgives us when we ask for forgiveness and are truly repentant. So do we forgive others if they haven't asked for forgiveness and may not even be sorry for what they've done?
1: Yeah. So most pastors would say, yes, you have to forgive. But I think that, you know, what, what scripture teaches is we're forgiven when we repent and ask for forgiveness. So I think that's the biblical context. Obviously we have what Jesus does on the cross. Father, forgive them for They know not, they know not what they do. I think he's speaking to the Roman officers mm-hmm. who are present. That's what I think he's speaking specifically to is they're just, you know, they're, they're just dumb soldiers doing their job, right? you know, and they don't realize what's happening in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, because Jesus didn't, you know, say that to the Jewish leaders. He told Pilate that they will be held accountable for the greater sin. So that's what we have to be really, really careful when we pull out a verse and we say, "Well, Jesus says." So Stephen, you know, asked for the forgiveness of the Jewish leaders who who kill them, mm-hmm. kill him in in the Book of Acts. Jesus, I think, is asking for uh, the forgiveness of the Roman soldiers. I can't prove that. I just think that's the context uh, of what's happening there. Um, But I think what we need to do is we need to release judgment over to God. So part of being a Christian is trusting that God will judge those um, who have done things. So we think about, you know, what the atrocities that just happened in Israel. And there's no punishment in this life that can be brought upon those men who, you know, slit the throats of babies, burn toddlers in their cribs. You know, repeatedly raped women, um, shot the elderly in the back mm-hmm. of the head. The, there were just such atrocities in that that in this life, yeah, there there is no justice. Yeah. Um. So God will bring justice uh, upon those people who did those things, and um, it's it's why I think the doctrine of hell is so important. It's because. Uh, not that everyone will suffer. And I think that's where the church has historically got things wrong. We miss two things. One, heaven is personal and hell is personal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not, a, a lot of Christians think that heaven is like communism. You know, we're we're all the same and everything's equal. And um, they completely miss the fact that Jesus repeatedly talks about whatever you do in this life will be paid back to you a hundredfold yeah. in the next life. Um, the apostle Paul talks about like he's sacrificing everything in this life for yeah. The next life. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this in the book of Maccabees. And <clears throat> a lot of Christians haven't read Maccabees. It's in the, uh, if you have a Catholic Bible, it's in the Apocrypha. Uh, the first book of Maccabees, second book of Maccabees. I believe it's second Maccabees chapter 16. Um, but where the seven sons are all uh, murdered by the Greeks. And so um, the mother, as her son is dying, is cheering him on saying... You will do this for a better resurrection, mm. and we see that Maccabees is quoted in the Book of Hebrews, chapter eleven, the the people of faith. That's right. He actually is talking about some died for a better resurrection. Mm-hmm. That's actually quoting Maccabees. A lot of people don't realize that. So, um, so we have to understand that you know heaven is personal, hell is personal, and and punishment will be doled out, and um, and, and that's super super important for that. So what I would say is what you need to do is you need to release this. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't the evil that has been committed to us will have power over us. Yep. And that's what I see in our society. Um you know what's happened with Hamas and the Palestinians. The evil that they believe that they've experienced and I'm not saying I'm I'm not I'm not weighing in on two state Israel's better or whatever. I'm just saying they have felt wronged, yeah. and so they've allowed that wrong to take over themselves, and this is my fear for Israel. My fear for Israel is that this will change them as a nation, and there's a great movie out called Munich, and it's the story of, you know, uh, Israeli athletes were kidnapped and murdered in the Olympics, and I think in 1972, I can't remember what year it was, and it's the story of the undercover Jewish agents tracking down those terrorists and murdering them. Wow. And ultimately what happens is those Jewish agents become the very evil right. that they're trying to eradicate. Mm-hmm. And that's why Paul says never repay evil for evil. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, so, and that doesn't mean that we can't bring justice. Um, what it means is the Jews don't slit the throats of yes, Palestinian yeah. babies. They don't set toddlers on fire. They don't parade Gazan women mm-hmm. out and rape them. That's repaying evil for evil, right? Um, it's, so I, I think that that's where uh, Ilan Omar, the congressman, I think she has, I think she's got um, a little twisted in her mind in terms of because because I don't know I don't know what you think a country should do in that instance. Yeah. But here's what we need to do is we need to say, Father, forgive them, Lord. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust. Here's what I need to do for an unrepentant person who's wounded me. I'm gonna trust God that you're gonna handle this, and I want you to take this judgment, this anger this bitterness I want you to take this from me because Paul says, if the sun goes down on our anger it That's gives right. a foothold to the devil mm-hmm. and so I think you know Donna if you know if you wounded me hurt me sinned against me and you you were sorry and you asked for repentance and forgiveness if you repented and asked for forgiveness i I am biblically mandated to forgive you yeah and if I can't do that then I don't understand what God sent for me mm-hmm. but if you know you and I we have a fallout on the show, and um, you know we never talk again.
2: Yeah.
1: What I need to do is say, and assuming you know, you I believe you wronged me, you hurt me. I just have to let that go and say, so, God, take this away from me because I'm way too focused on this, and I'm going to trust that in the end you're going to deal with Donna yeah. and bring her to repentance, or when she stands before you, you're going to deal with her. Mm-hmm. Either way, God, I trust that you are good and that you're the judge. And so that's really where it comes from: is we got to let it go because. Um, but I don't like it when people say, you know, um, I think of w- one interaction I had with a young woman in our lobby who she said, my dad molested me mm-hmm. and my mom thinks I should let him walk me down the aisle. And I'm just like, for yeah. the love of Jesus, right. no. Like yeah. Christians get such a warped, cultic view of forgiveness. And, and 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 that's why non-Christians just look at us and go, what is wrong mm-hmm. with you? Because we have this warped view of, of of forgiveness. And so she said, so I don't have to let my dad walk i said no i will or any man yeah (laughs) anyone that hasn't or don't have someone walk you down the aisle that's a cultural stigmatism that you're you're feeling like you have to do right um but it's just so you know well we need to forgive and it's like
0: yeah well forgiveness is not (laughs) denial right we're not denying that something traumatic or that this person wronged you especially someone that's still maybe continuing to offend or continue you have to set a strong boundary that doesn't mean you don't let them go, right, yeah. and let the let ask the Lord to take the sting of that yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's a tough, tough question. Um, you know, we had an interaction with with a church family, um, some good, good friends. Uh, they're actually on staff now, but we had a falling out for I don't know how many years, hmm. and and it was hard for us. These were close personal yeah. friends, and unfortunately, um, Tammy and I have experienced that over twenty seven years. A lot at sounds Church, but they they mailed us a card. Hmm. And I, I held the card up. I hadn't opened it yet, and I told Tammy. I said, "All they have to do is say I'm sorry." Mm. And I opened up the card. Guess what it said? "I'm sorry."
0: Yeah.
1: And now we're great friends. Yeah. Because that's the power of just saying, "Look, I'm really sorry that for how this happened," and, um, and 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 I'm sorry too for the lost years. But but we're better friends now because yeah. of it. And right. so um, I think he's more mature. I'm more mature. I think as as friends, we're more mature because you know, resolving conflict matures people and friendships. Mm -hmm. People who can't resolve conflict never mature, never grow. And that's very, very difficult. So
0: beautiful. Love it. Thank you. All right. We're going to keep rolling.
1: Sounds like I'm dying less now. So I apologize to our listeners.
0: (laughs) You're good. All right. This is Sarah from Columbus, Georgia. Hey, girl. Nice to see you. Um, I've been listening to an audiobook version of the Bible before bed and have actually gotten through Leviticus for the first time. Yeah, congrats. I know it's, not, it's not an easy task. It mentions sex during menstruation as a sin multiple times. And to me, it seemed to even equate it to homosexual intercourse. Mm. Is this still considered a sin in modern Christianity? Why or why not? If it is, why is it never discussed? Thanks, Donna and Matt. I love the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thank so you. it's mentioned actually, um, what was her name? Sarah Sarah, I believe it's mentioned in Leviticus 15, Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 as well as two times in Ezekiel <laughs> so uh, yeah so so the so the ancient Jews were passionate about understanding the menstrual cycle so so what I would say is this is that for the ancient Jewish world, life itself was in the blood. so when you kill an animal, that's why uh, the blood is what's brought before God so, their understanding was that the very essence of life was in our blood. And so uh, for a woman, when right your body is storing up the blood in preparation for a baby, uh, that discharge is life. And so therefore to be honored and it is to be respected. So that's how they understood that. I think it's very, very difficult. I do not think, it, I think specifically what she's talking about is in Leviticus 19. It's mentioned in the same chapter that a man not, must not lie with a man. Um, but it's very, um, you need to understand that a woman's menstrual cycle and a, a man who has a nocturnal emission, that is a wet dream, um, neither of those are considered sin. So it's just it's just a discharge. And so uncleanliness is just the process of which you go through in order to prepare to stand before God once again. It's not sin. Um, so then there is an issue where if a man and a woman have sex together while, while they're on, the, then they have to do something that you know, could be considered as sin. Uh, But I do not believe it's called an abomination. So there is a difference in the text there specifically. I don't have it in front of me. So here's what I would say for us as Christians. Um, As Christians, we are set free from the law. We do not live under the law. We live under the law of Christ. And so everything must be filtered through really these two commandments, love God, Mm -hmm. uh, love others. And so am I violating, um, you know, my spouse because of this. So let me say this for all of guys. So I grew up, did you have sisters? Yes. So I, I knew nothing Only sisters. I knew nothing about periods. Mm. I didn't know my mom had a menstrual cycle. I I just didn't know that. It was the eighties. <laughs> I had a brother. I had I had no idea. I never thought about you know teenage girls having it when I was in high school. It mm. never crossed my mind. So I was completely ignorant to this. So then I get married and we have two girls. Yeah. So I'm going to get baptized into menstruation. <laughs> so um here here's what I would say is Um, I think that imagine if you're a woman thousands of years ago and you have cramps, you have a bad period. Here's here's the beauty of what was taught. A woman gets those days off. Mm -hmm. Seven days off, she's to be left alone. She's not cooking. She's not cleaning. She's not working. She doesn't have the responsibility of the kids. Mm -hmm. The rest of the community is giving her a week off. Mm -hmm. So that's the positive way of looking at it. The negative way of looking at it, which is ultimately... Uh, the way that it 's looked at during the time of Jesus is you are unclean mm-hmm. and therefore you 're separated from your community. I actually talk about this I believe in chapter ten of my book that 's coming out uh, March fifth of twenty twenty four uh, it 's called everyday a miracle and it 's the woman who bled for twelve years mm-hmm. and so um, and and, and here 's what I say in the book is we cannot judge God through uh, an ancient understanding of God. we must judge God through the person of jesus mm-hmm. and so in the book of Leviticus, right, whatever she touches is unclean and um, whoever touches her is unclean. And it's interesting that in the New Testament, she touches him and, and neither are unclean, yeah. but she's healed. Amen. And so that's the power and the beauty of Jesus is, you know, we must understand God through, not just through the words of God, but through the person of God. And so whenever we come to a passage that we don't understand, so that's the, the Bible is the word of God, all 66 books is the word of God, but Jesus is the person of God. Mm-hmm. And so when I come to a passage, words, the 66 books, Leviticus is one of them where I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't understand this. I have to interpret that through the lens yeah. of Jesus and say, okay, what did he do? Well, he was touched by a woman who is maybe not on a menstrual cycle, probably had some hemorrhaging, some, some kind of medical issue where she bled for 12 years yeah. straight. So there's cancer, there could have right. been uh, endometriosis, there could have been all kinds mm-hmm. of health issues. Um, and he says nothing, but he says, your faith has made you whole. And so that's the beauty of, of that is it just teaches that even Judaism misunderstood some things, even though they had God's perfect law, they understood it imperfectly. So here's what I would say for married couples. And I don't know if that's yeah, the question. She said married. Yeah, so for married couples, um, what you need to do is you need to have an honest conversation with each other. Sometimes guys are not into sex with their wife when they're on their period. That needs to be honored and respected. So why is that? We have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter Mm seven, which says, so if you're a woman and you're married, your body is not your own, it is his. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a man and you're married, your body is not your own, it's hers. And so it's interesting in that passage, um, in the ancient world, men didn't have a lot of romantic sex Greeks, at least with their wives, they had sex with their slaves and their concubines and their prostitutes. And the wife was for procreation only. Mm -hmm. So she, she was not oftentimes didn't get the romantic, um, sexual connection with her husband. And so Paul says to the men, Mm -hmm. Hey, your body is not your own. Mm -hmm. It's hers. Mm -hmm. And you must not deprive her. Mm -hmm. So that's like a lot of guys are like, what? Mm -hmm. So in the ancient world, so Paul's saying, no, no guys, you need to make sure that you are being intimate with your wife. So what I would say is, I would say you need to talk about this together. So here's the other thing. There are days in a menstrual cycle where sex is just not possible. Like you are just, no. you know, it called, what What does it say? The fountain of her flow or something. <laughs> I forget that the, the Hebrew language is really weird. It's hard to understand. I think it's the fountain of... <laughs> Yeah. I think it's the fountain of it's her fountain flow. Something. Yeah. And so it's it, not pretty. Whatever yeah. No, if is. your wife, yeah. If your wife is fountaining, <laughs> that is, that is not the day for that. Um, I have met women and counseled women in the church who feel more aroused when they're on their periods. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to kind of talk through that and say, okay, um, you know, this is, the, this is the time when I'm more sexually aroused and you need to work through that as a couple and make sure that, you know, one is not forcing the other, uh, because the Bible says love does not demand its own way, and so you work this out, you talk through this. But there's no specific teaching in the New Testament that reaffirms that. Right. Um, so what I would say is, as a married couple, you're free to discuss this, talk about this, work this out in love with each other. But I think as a man who is ignorant, like myself, you need to understand that oftentimes. When a woman is on her period, she doesn't feel well. Mm -hmm. Um, She's cramping. And the idea of having someone anywhere near that area is abhorrent. And you need to respect that. Um, And you need to talk about that. And then there's instances where maybe it's not a heavy flow day, where the woman is more aroused, more into it, and you need to figure that out as a couple and say, okay. Um, Because for Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, the only reason not to have sex, this is what he says, is for the purpose of prayer. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we need to be apart, to focus on God. But he says, but make sure that's only for a time yeah. so that you're not tempted. Because one of the powerful ways that we come together as married couples is through sexual intercourse. And that's something that's important. And if you're married and and sex is off, I think that is the canary in the coal mine that says something else is off. Mm-hmm. So, you need to have a conversation. Maybe not about sex, but just like, hey, what's going on? Where are we? Where are we emotionally? Um, where are we, like, spiritually? Mm-hmm. What's happening with us? Because we, we we have not been one. We are not one. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I would say the time to talk about that, guys, is not when um, you're sexually aroused. You know, you're super horny, super frustrated. It's a, hey, can we go out on, on Friday night? I want to talk about something. And... And if she says, yeah, what, say, I'd like to talk about just our sexual rhythms, mm-hmm. but make an appointment to talk about that and just say, okay, what does this look like? How can we connect? Cause you know, you have, you have three kids now, yeah. like you and your husband. <laughs> um, and, and this is what talks
0: always end in fights.
1: Yeah, I know. So this, <laughs> the, this is the thing, but you guys work together, you, you're, you're building a business together, you have kids together and, yeah. and it's so difficult sometimes um, you know and sometimes you know a, a spouse will be super aroused and awake in the morning and another will be super aroused and awake and ready in the evening well you got to work through those things yeah. um and uh you know as your kids get older this is my favorite thing you have to have sex and hide from your children <laughs> i never thought about that but it's like oh my gosh because you know they have this Open the door yeah open knock, the door knock the whatever yeah so um these are all the fun things you know when your kids are little it doesn't matter but as they get older you got to yeah. learn to uh be kind of a, I don't know. Discreet. Yeah, discreet. Um, discreet. So uh, so you, you got to work through these things. So there's no specific passage that says this is wrong as right. Christians. Uh, I would say even for Jews, I think this is an ancient text. It's a difficult mm-hmm. text to understand. And unlike homosexuality, uh, and what I mean by that, I don't like the word homosexuality, sure. same-sex intercourse. Mm-hmm. So a woman having sex with a woman or a man having sex with a man. The the word homosexuality, I don't like because it speaks to an attraction Attraction. or a sexuality and the Bible doesn't speak to that. It speaks to the action. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, what I would say is you need to talk about it. You need to work through it and just understand, okay, this is something that's, that's going to be difficult. And um, you know, there, there are rhythms in marriage where sex is great. And there are rhythms in marriage where sex is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And what we have to do is love each other in those seasons. And it's just, it's just a part of that. And, um, you know, I'm just... I would assume that at one point, as Tammy and I age, sex will no longer be a part of our relationship. So I just have to just kind of understand that. And, and that could be because of illness. Um, it could be because of, uh, uh, you know, uh, physical incapacity. I mean, sure. who knows? And so I'm committed to loving her... Not just because we have sex, but because she's my wife and yeah. we're one. Absolutely. So uh, hopefully.
0: That was great. Thank great you. job. Yeah. That was. I, yes. yes. <laughs> if you ever had a question about sex and menstruation. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's a there's a guy on Instagram right now. He's gaining a lot of popularity. I forget his tag, but he's actually creating like little reels about educating men about periods because yeah. he has a wife and then he has two little girls and, uh, it, it's actually really interesting how he does yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. He, he has this thing about dusty sons. Like I'm raising yeah. amazing girls. So don't bring your dusty son yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So.
1: And so here's, here's what, you know, what I would say, you know, Jesus was, Jesus was Jewish mm-hmm. and there are things about the Jewish religion that we need to understand. And so here's one of the things that God taught his people. You need to operate in sex differently yeah. than the world does, right. and that's what's so important. And that—that that is a thread that goes from Genesis yep. to Revelation. Mm-hmm. Is we don't just act on our desires; we act on our desires in accordance with what we understand that God teaches. And so that is the thread from the beginning to the end of the Scriptures. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. This is Annie Moss.
1: Yes, from Texas. I love Annie.
0: Hey, Annie Moss. Um, I attended Sennel's church from ages 18 to 21. During that time, I lived as the world did. This kind of goes into what you were just talking about, sex, drugs, alcohol. Then from 2018 until this year, my sin developed into an addiction. Mm. I used drugs and alcohol daily for five years. When it came, uh, with it came physical illness, mental illness, Mm. assaults, and abuse. I recently had a prodigal daughter moment, and by the grace of God, I am two months sober and no longer with my sexual abusers. Mm. Awesome. Um, I'd been having extramarital sex for over 10 years, but now hooking up with someone is out of the question and doesn't even appeal to me, but I still have sexual urges, especially during ovulation. I want to abstain from sex, but isn't masturbation better than having an energy exchange with someone who isn't Mm -hmm. my husband is masturbation bad. And does it keep me from God's grace?
1: Yeah. So there's, this is, uh, let me start with this. Thank you for your question. Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'll be praying for your sobriety. You know, as I said in last week's message, you know, when we're identifying the one thing, mm-hmm. if you are an addict, there's nothing more important in your life yeah. than sobriety. Mm-hmm. That is that is the number one thing. So I'm going to be praying for you. I'm gl- I'm grateful for your two months being clean. This could probably be a struggle for the rest of your life. And so I'll be praying, um, yeah. you know, as, you know, the uh, the AA prayer says that one day at a time, you'll get through this. And that's just so, so important and we need to remember reinhold niebuhr was a christian who had, mm-hmm. who developed that whole way of thinking and that comes from whoever um, would come after me let him pick up his cross daily mm-hmm. and follow me and so uh battling addiction is learning to die to yourself every day yeah and so i think the more days under your belt you get two months right now i think it will get easier but it never goes away and so uh, i'll be praying for you so her question was is
0: masturbation bad and does it keep me from God's grace? But it's in this this context that she's still having urges, especially during ovulation, and she doesn't want to jump into yeah, hookup or something. Yeah,
1: like. and I've heard that a lot from women. Um, you know, men tend to have an uncontrollable urge. I think it's every 74 hours, you know, because um, that's a, how long it takes for mm-hmm. a man to... Uh, build up the sperm bank, and then it's ready to be released in some way. Mm-hmm. But I've heard a lot from women, and I'm not a woman, but but especially the single women in our church. I, I actually had a good uh, girlfriend of mine, a female friend, not girlfriend, uh, tell me, she said, I'm great at being single. She said, it's about once a month that I, <laughs> so it was interesting. She, she told me that, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, well, you know, I'll be praying for you on that. Uh, and she didn't go into any more detail than that, but just shared that, and I appreciated her honesty. So here's what I would say, is just as a person of addiction, I think it's so, so important that you learn self-mastery. And I I think that that's that's important. Um, Addicts are addicted to dopamine releases. Mm -hmm. Orgasm is a way in which there's a dopamine release. And so uh, I'm glad you're not hooking up. Um, What I would encourage you to do is focus on your sobriety and really, really try to um, stay there um, and what I would say is, if it's possible for you not to masturbate, I would encourage you not to do that. Um, if it happens, what I would just do is just try to, A, not look at porn, try not to visualize being with or someone else, someone from the past or the future, uh, and try to minimize that. But I think that we need to understand the Bible does not specifically mention this. It just is not mentioned. And I know a lot of conservative Christians are going to lose their mind because it. It says, run from anything that stimulates lust is one passage. Okay, but what happens when you're stimulated? Mm-hmm. So that's where you are. And, um, you know, I'm older now, mm-hmm. so this is much easier. In If she was asking this of 25-year-old Pastor Matt, I would have been right there with you, sister. I, mm-hmm. I struggle with this. As 52-year-old Pastor Matt, um, sexual rhythms are something that are much easier for me mm-hmm. now. It just is. I think that's just a process of my testosterone <laughs> level going down but what i would just say is um is it a sin we talked about um i think with the, the podcast with darren you know there's three things you know what's my preference what's wise you know what is sin and what i would say is this really is a wisdom issue just because masturbation can become so addicting mm-hmm. and so is once a month an addiction no uh for those out there who are recovering sex addicts mm-hmm. I would just say, man, masturbation just needs to be something that you don't do. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference, you know, like, for example, I'm not an alcoholic, but if I was, not one drink is okay. Mm -hmm. And so if if, if someone's recovering from sexual addiction, Mm -hmm. I would say zero masturbation Mm -hmm. because it's just, you you can't moderate an addiction. It just doesn't work that way. So for this instance, what I'll say is I'll pray for you. And what I would just do is I would just continually ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to guide you. And and then I would just say, how do you feel with God afterwards? Cause I know how I felt afterwards. I felt guilt, yeah. shame. I felt terrible. And so what what the, the way I interpreted that was that was the Holy Spirit grieving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's why I I decided, okay, I gotta stop doing this. Mm-hmm. This is not for me. Um you know but I don't want to pile you know all of this upon everybody. You know, I, I think about uh, so many of the young singles in our church, single men, I, you know, um, in particularly, um, I just don't want you to feel like God can't use you. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we have a spirit of grace yeah. and just understand God made you a sexual being. And this is a challenge for, you know, those who are single and cannot, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, find that release. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's literally what Paul's talking about is, you know it's so difficult to maintain sexual purity in the culture that he lived in. That's why God has given us each other so that we can do that, and that's important for married couples to understand. It's not always about lovemaking. Sometimes it's a necessity, mm-hmm. and we need to be be there for each other. But when you're single and you cannot do that, uh, what I would say is, if there's any way possible to not do it, but ultimately, you know, with with your road and your recovery, there's so many more important things to deal on deal with now that I don't want you to be tripped up over this and saying, okay, once a month, this happens. What I want to do is praise God every day that you're sober, praise God every day that you're not hooking up with someone else um, because that is a sin.
2: Yeah, The
1: Bible does speak to that. So I want to praise God that you're not doing that
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, praise God that, you know, you're trying to change your life. And so I want to continue to just pray for you in that. But what I would just say is, um, you know, if... I would encourage you not to do it. That's what I would say. Yeah. But there's no specific verse, and everybody that says that there is that they're reaching, they're they're grabbing for things. um they're they're trying to, you know, make that happen. Mm-hmm. What I do is I run from things that stimulate my stimulate lust. So, uh, you know, I don't look at pornography because that's going to stimulate lust, and then it's going to, you know, put me in a position where I want to masturbate, or, you know, watching women dress inappropriately or whatever. And so that's what we really need to focus on. And so, you know, Jesus talks about um, any man who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. And that's really, really difficult passage to understand because the word there is not lust, it's strong desire. Mm -hmm. So you know the passage of scripture when Jesus said Jerusalem, Jerusalem, um, I have a strong desire, it's the same word. Wow. It's not translated lust. It's I have a strong, I have a strong desire for you. Yeah. So it's the same word. And so if if you you know if you said, well, did Jesus ever lust? It's like, well, <laughs> the, the scripture uses the same word. So what it means is, so if we interpret the, the word that he's using there, he says, I have a strong desire to come to you. So he's mm-hmm. saying, I I want to come to you to save you. Mm-hmm. Lust is just a bad word because lust means arousal in our mm-hmm. culture, and that's wrong. That's mm-hmm. not what it means anyone who is aroused has already committed adultery. Mm-hmm. That's that's incorrect. What it means is anyone who looks um, specifically at a woman that's not theirs and has a strong desire and is per, is moving towards pursuing her in, yeah. in her heart. So w- what would that mean? Um, there's a woman at our church and I set up a meeting mm-hmm. to connect with her with the hope and purpose of that it leads to adultery. Right. That's what it means. Right. It doesn't mean that I look at her and I go, oh, she's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Or even that I find her attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't because I find a woman that's not my wife attractive doesn't mean I'm a sinner. It means I'm a human being mm-hmm. and I'm alive.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? Yeah.
1: laughs> and so that's just so important that we we don't confuse that. And and it's just such a difficult word to translate into English. Because lust technically means, like, lust doesn't just mean sex. Lust means yeah, for power. Food. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a strong. It's strong. It's desire. a strong desire for that which you know you shouldn't mm-hmm. do. Yeah, that's and good. so, so that's what it means. Uh, but Jesus uses it in the positive because mm-hmm. his desire for Jerusalem is positive. Yeah. so it can be used in a, in a positive sense. And so, what I would just say is. We just don't have the verses. We need to pray for this through this. The Holy Spirit speaks to you, Annie and I would just cry out to God and say, "Okay, God, is is this separating me from you? For me, it was, right. and I realized, okay, this is a problem. This is not something that um, I want to do, um, but I don't. I don't want to just." beat people up that are just like, Oh my gosh, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if it's addiction for our listeners, that's a problem because it can become very addictive. And
0: then I would think like, where does the desire, does it create more of a desire for more of that? I mean, there, you know, women have four weeks, wet, dry, wet, dry. Right. And so you have to know that your body is about to go through this process. Um, and, and how all, you know, how all of us handle it. I, I, I got married when I was 21. Yeah. And so I have so much compassion for my friends that are still single. I try to, you know, how how do you deal with that? I know what that fourth week feels like. I know what, what the egg is coming and we feel it and we're ready for a baby, you know? And so I, I, I think that was a beautiful response. I just think with this, especially with the dopamine release, I think it's really important that, um, where does it take you? Where does it take your yeah. mind? And what are you focused on in the middle of that? And if the Lord, if you don't feel the Lord in it.
1: Yeah. And that's refrain. why, again, a podcast is not a pastor. Yeah. What you really need to be is pastored that's in good. this, mm-hmm. someone that can love you, come alongside right. you and say, okay, um, you know, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, honest accountability in a small group, yeah. authentic people that are pouring into you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, for our listeners who are offended, because maybe I didn't say, you know, yep, this is sin. You shouldn't do it, whatever. Just know we're all coming to Jesus at different levels Mm -hmm. and, and we all are on, on a different journey. And so we need to just say, okay, I'm going to have grace for her because I haven't had that experience. I haven't had to go through, I haven't been in, um, addiction. I haven't been sexually abused. Um,
0: or even in a sexual relationship over and over and over. And then you're like, no more. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so you know, so we want to have compassion and mm-hmm. mercy for her and yes. just know that God is good and God loves her. But what I would really do is, does it, is it affecting negatively your relationship and intimacy with God? And then if it is, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I just, I just Absolutely. wouldn't do it. Um, so, so, so there's my, there's yeah. my answer.
0: So good. I know. Thank yeah. You. you guys gave me
1: the hard questions. These are
0: hard. I, These are great though. I bet that blessed a lot of people though, just yeah. to, for even them to think through their own um, sexual urges and journey, and what's going on in their life, and go. Hey, am I addicted to this? Is this yeah. something that is replacing the Holy Spirit of God in my yeah. life? I need to get it together yeah. from that. And I love that you said in community, in a small group, find some other women that are yeah. single that are walking through this journey, who who are struggling, yes, same thing, and want to need the Holy Spirit through it. So, yeah, so Amen. good. Amen. Okay, this is Dana from California. I read this Dana from Dana Point, and I was like, yeah. that's not what it's. Dana from California. I recently took a spiritual gifts test and I scored the highest in prophetic giftedness. Yeah. What does that mean? How can I continue to develop this gift? How does this serve my church? I love this. Would you allow someone in your congregation to approach you with a prophecy they received?
1: Yeah. yeah so I'm not a big fan of spiritual gifts tests. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um you know, the spiritual gifts tests arise and come into being when all these personality assessment tests came. Okay. And so Christians are like, hey, we can make money if we, you know, create these these tests for people to figure out their spiritual gifts. The best way to understand your spiritual gifts is in the context of community. Sure. And, yeah. and that's where that is. So the Apostle Paul says that he wishes everyone could speak prophetically. Mm-hmm. So this is so important, um, uh, you know, Specifically, women can speak prophetically. This is one of the things that I think is so important. That and what it's saying is it's speaking for God. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what God says. Um, that's part of what I do in church when I'm preaching. Some is teaching, right? So here's what the Word of God says. But here's what God wants you. To, then that's prophecy. And so, and that not to say that I can't get that wrong, but absolutely. Um, but I want to know if someone speaks prophetically to me in my church that they're involved, that they're all mm-hmm. in here. And that they're serving, giving, and they're using their gifts here. Like, have you ever experienced like a traveling prophet? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you need to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I, you, And I found that those people aren't cemented to any they're community. They're not connected. And they're I'm not like, submitted. I'm yep. like, so you're your own church. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's very dangerous. Yeah. And I've said, well, let me speak prophetically to you. You mm-hmm. need to get in church. <laughs> yeah. You need to find a church. You need to find a local uh, leadership that you're submitting to. Yeah. And they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that all of the, those giftings work together. So you can't just have the prophet out here and then you don't have the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the apostle. I think that's when it works beautifully. I've had a friend that there was a traveling prophet and, and um, she got a word from this prophet and it just, I was like, that is not who you are. This prophet said, that's what I was like, she doesn't even know you. I mean, (laughs) and that's not who you are. She said, "Um, how does this serve my church? And I think, Yeah, I think it has to be in context of community. Yeah,
1: Yeah. well, I would say specifically, the gift of prophecy is the most needed in community group, and that's That's when that's when you speak. So people are Mm. sharing. Here's what I'm struggling. I don't know what to do with this. So, like, let's say we had Annie Moss in our group that was struggling. I know, but Annie Moss struggling with masturbation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if if I'm if I'm in small group with her,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: I could prophetically say, yeah you need to stop this mm-hmm. or look th- this is okay mm-hmm. see what i'm saying because we're in community group together rather than saying a blanket statement for everyone all time everywhere mm-hmm. that's where that's where we need this, the gift of prophecy so when somebody's sharing in small group the gift of prophecy is this is what i believe god is saying mm-hmm. then it's tested by the group because mm-hmm. like you just said it could be off and right. i've i have i have encountered one guy and I, it's so bizarre. He'll say, God says, and every time he says that, I, everything in me goes, nope.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, it's
1: just so <laughs> off. Yeah. And I, I actually asked him one time, I'm like, how can you be wrong so often? Like, <laughs> you would think someone would accidentally
2: <laughs> get it right.
1: right. You know, because uh, right, a, bro- a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> and like, you're not even right twice a day. Um, hmm. And um, so, you know, and so here's how i speak prophetically though i see i feel like god is saying yeah. i'm sensing the spirit sure. is saying i'm really careful to say like Th- god does lord. say it the lord because in the old testament you know, if you got that wrong they kill you so <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: um and again we're not under the law thank right. god but we want to be really really careful what we say uh specifically um there's another story in, in my book that's coming out um it's uh when god says no it's a really hard mm-hmm. chapter mm-hmm. And so the book is, is Everyday a Miracle. Uh, and basically, just to summarize the book, every prayer is answered. I Can we just all as a church never say that God didn't answer that prayer? Every prayer is answered with yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an instant answer, yes, no, or wait. And so, um, but they were trying to adopt from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And they had spent a lot of money mm-hmm. and a lot of time. And Ethiopia shut down mm-hmm. adoption uh, for, for foreign families. Mm-hmm. And um, so you had to be of Ethiopian e- ethnicity to adopt these children. So they're they're two years into this process. Yeah. Th- I mean, thousands of dollars, and they're broken. And I just heard God say, what makes you think I need Ethiopia to bring you an Ethiopian child?
2: Hmm. Wow.
1: And I said that. Hmm. So, I mean, this is a raw moment. <laughs> this was a real moment. And these are my good friends. Yeah. And, and I said it. And I was scared to say it because mm. I mean this was in their deepest pain, mm-hmm. and I said, "God is telling me what makes you think He needs Ethiopia to bring you your Ethiopian child?" and and the room was stunned. Wow! And they had an Ethiopian son two weeks later.
0: Wow!
1: He was already in America. That's powerful. From Ethiopia, right? And um, you know, and 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 and, and you know, I I just love that story. I just love that story because. And I was scared to mm-hmm. say it because yeah. you don't you don't want to re- uh, religiously manipulate somebody. That's right. But I really felt like God was telling me to say that, and I and I spoke it. And so,
0: and I feel like when it is God, it yeah. is like fear and trembling. Yes, right. Like when you feel like you have a word for yes. someone, you're not like "Thus saith the Lord." Yeah. You know, like you are like okay, I feel like the Lord is asking or telling me to say this. Yeah, And and that's powerful.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's so important, uh, Dana, because think about, you know, Mary and Joseph. So Joseph knows the kid's not his. Mary is visited <laughs> by the angel. And yet when they come to the temple, Anna the prophet says, right. this is who this guy is yeah. going to be. We all need, we all need the prophecy of God apart That's from the right. word of God. That's and this right. is what's, you know, like our John MacArthur people, you know, you just need God's word. It's like, no, you need both. Yes, Because Mary had a word from the Lord. Right. Like right. he spoke to her, but she needed Anna the prophet to re-speak it, yeah, to absolutely. re-say it and say, hey, this is who you're going to be. This is what I see. This is what God's going to do. I, I think about my life when people have prophetically spoken in me and to me And those words have been so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, This is why you should never go to a fortune teller. Yes. Because a fortune teller is a manipulative form of prophecy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and it may be right, but it could be horrifically wrong. (laughs) And, you know, you got people that are going, you know, to these uh, pseudo prophets. um, What do they call them? Fortune tellers, uh, palm readers, mediums. Mm -hmm. And... You know, just because they're not Christian doesn't mean that they don't have a gift. That's right. The Holy Spirit is not the only person that distributes gifts. That's right. And so you got to be careful that you're opening yourself up to a prophetic word from someone else. From
0: Satan. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: and all throughout scripture, yeah. false prophets That's speak. Right.
0: That's right.
1: False prophets speak. And so we got to be careful. That's why we need community. So yeah. what I would say, we need two things. We need people to speak up and say, I feel like the Lord is saying, yeah. boom, and mm-hmm. you say it. And then you let the group just deal with it.
2: That's
1: right. You just deal with it. Because because yeah. I guarantee you this week there's going to be people in small group. I really don't know what my log in my eye is. And everybody in the group knows what it is. <laughs> everybody knows. Dude. Boom, here's your log. It's called
0: denial. This That's is what your first log. Yeah, yeah, denial. Right. I, mean, you're, you're, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm just,
1: maybe my log is I love too much. It's like, oh my gosh, you know.
0: Lying. That's yes, your lying. first log. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know,
1: people are in such denial. It's mm. just like, look here it is, boom, and you just drop it on them, and then they go to another church. Yeah. So that's how I grow other churches. I speak prophetically to people. <laughs> that's and awesome.
0: They, yeah, uh, prophecy is powerful. Yes. It is, it is, when it is the word of the Lord, it has yeah. uh, been super powerful in my life. It's, it's a way that I felt like God has used me in the past in other people's lives. Um, but it has to be in community.
1: And just know most prophets got killed, stoned or thrown in jail. I know. So it's just, it's so been just, a
0: very, that's a journey, right? Yeah.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> so let's, let's just talk about this issue. So um, like God appoints a pastor over church. You believe that? Yes. And sir. so he has spiritual authority and insight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have 220 employees. Mm-hmm. If any of them want to quit, I have no say in that. Right. But if I feel led, that it's time for them to quit. I lose friends. Yeah. It, it's, it's bizarre. There's mm-hmm. no in the church today. There's no like, Oh, the Lord speaks to leadership speaks through, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just so amazing to me in the church mm-hmm. that, you know, well, you're the boss. Okay. Well, yeah, Technically, but I'm also in charge. We need to open ourselves up to people prophetically yeah. speaking. And so what's interesting to me is in our culture, people want to speak prophetically to me. Okay. Sure. But they don't want to receive it from that's me. That's right.
0: Yeah.
2: That and so that's, sense.
1: that's the thing that's so weird in our culture is Okay. I hear what you're saying, um, but but what about this? Yeah. So yeah. So
0: good. I heard you say how she said how do I develop this gift? Um, I heard you say it develops in community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you got to practice it mm-hmm. and, and and understand. You know you can get it wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why we we test we test the spirit of the prophets. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it says. You know. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I would say in serving too. I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, I love the you know. The spiritual gifts test, you know, that could be great. That could not be so great. Um, But in serving, I feel like the Lord really shows you what your giftings are.
1: Yeah. And I would say, God could God use a test? Sure. So (laughs) I came out a little negative on that, but sure. Uh, We actually had a guy in our church. This is is a true story. We had a guy in our church who took a spiritual gifts test. And I think the test, there was 23 gifts. And he's all, Pastor, I have them all. (laughs) And I was like, oh, so you're your own church. Okay. You know, and so... Which is just Call such Jesus, <laughs> yeah. It's just such uh, counter to First Corinthians chapter twelve, the different gifts, sure. different parts of the body. Yeah. He's like, I'm the whole body. I'm like, no, dude. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so yeah. So what you got to do is you got to practice, and and and, and pro- pro- the prophetic gift takes courage. Yeah, and um, it takes faith. That's yes. right. So yeah, Amen. great question.
0: Great question. Thanks, Dana. All right, last one. Jamal okay. from Moreno Valley. In your sermon, you emphasize the importance of knowing and understanding who Jesus is as a prerequisite for sharing our faith in him. Given this, how do you address the glaring theological differences between mainstream Christianity and religious groups like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, which also profess belief in Jesus and or identify as Christians? Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, I I would just say that I strongly disagree with you know, my Jehovah Witness neighbors and my Mormon neighbors as to the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that specifically where Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons have gone wrong is they have their own list of prophets and their own list of teachers that no other Christian organization on earth recognizes. Nobody does. Jehovah Witnesses have their own Bible translation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they do things intentionally uh, as they translate scripture to make you believe that Um, Jesus is not, not God. Yeah. So, um, you know, this was a teaching that was condemned by Athanasius, actually a black guy, a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of black, my black friends don't know that Athanasius from Alexandria was a black man and he is the reason Christians believe in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's just so, it's just so amazing to me. And so I have so many black friends that are Muslim. I'm like, (laughs) okay, the early church was, was literally, I mean, when you read the book of Acts, there's one guy, they actually call the black guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, It's like, it's like yeah, yeah, so, 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 the black dude, um, but he's in leadership in yeah. the church. And so, um, you know, you know, Islam does not have, um, for all time, a great record with black people because of the way they expanded, you know, Christianity expanded through personal conversion, Islam expanded through conquering. And it's just, it's just very, very different. And that's not to say that uh, Christianity does not have its sins. It it does uh, in the name of Jesus. But I would say that's not true Christianity. Right? Um, and there are probably Muslim friends that would say, well, that, that wasn't true Islam either. But Muhammad conquered. I mean, mm-hmm. he he said, this is what we're going to do. So uh, Jesus told us to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very different. So, so what I would say is, you know, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, they deny the divinity of Jesus. So they believe that he's a created angel. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that he's created by God. And... Um, the whole, the whole prediction of, and even Jewish people don't understand this is that what they're waiting for, the Messiah in essence was the return of Yahweh to the temple. That's what they're waiting Mm -hmm. for. Um, because Yahweh is not just God. Yahweh is our savior. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, John 10 is so hilarious because Hanukkah is the preparation of the temple for the return of the King. So they, so we've cleansed the temple we have our candles lit and you know, the menorah is ready. Jesus is standing in the temple arguing about who he is. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it's amazing and they missed it. So Jehovah Witnesses do not believe in the divinity of God. So John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. They translate that a God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which doesn't help at all because... You know he's he's not a little god he's not part he 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 was he was God he was with God that's what it yes. says from the beginning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so what John is trying to do there is he's trying to take us before Adam and Eve he's trying to take us back, um, and and many Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses miss this in the time in the day and age of Jesus most Jews would have read the Bible in Greek not in Hebrew, mm-hmm. so when Jesus says. To the religious leaders before Abraham was, Ego me That is exactly in the Greek what um, God says to Moses. Moses says, Who shall I say sent me? Okay. And God says, Ego me So it is very, very specific. Mm-hmm. It's why they pick up stones to murder him. Mm-hmm. They understand how can you, a man, claim to be equal mm-hmm. with God? They understood exactly what he says. And so um, Jesus is God in human flesh Mm -hmm. he has come and listen he has dwelt and so this is the the, the Greek word in John 1 is tabernacled he's tented among us Mm -hmm. so why is that important because before the temple there was a tabernacle and that's where God dwelt it's the place where heaven and earth came together it's the holiest of holies what is Jesus he's the holiest of holies tabernacling amongst us we have beheld his glory Mm -hmm. we have seen him right and, and this is who he is. Um, and so, so they miss that. And, and when you read through the Gospel of John, what does Thomas say? I will not believe unless I touch his hands. Jesus says, touch me. And he says, my Lord and my God. So he, he says it. You, you are both. And so Christians worshipped Jesus as God um, right since the resurrection. They were mm-hmm. confused up before the resurrection. <laughs> but they, 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 they worshipped him as that. So then Mormons go the other way. They say, okay, Jesus is God's son; he is divine, but there are many gods, and so they believe in multiple gods, thousands of gods, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so those two cults go separate from Christianity in different directions. Mm-hmm. Jehovah Witnesses says Jesus isn't God. Mormons say he's one of many gods, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, both, both. Um, Religions originate from kind of the Wild West when most Americans were illiterate. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand. They couldn't read. Um, You know, the Book of Mormon is deeply problematic historically. And and even like BYU is now saying it's not a historical book, Mm -hmm. which I actually appreciate Mm -hmm. that they're saying that because, you know, they've taught it to Mormons like it's factual Mm -hmm. and it's just not, which is different from the Bible Mm -hmm. because when it says this city was there, we go and we dig and it's there. (laughs) Like... The the Christian Hebrew Bible is built on real places, real cities in a real time, mm-hmm. and the Mormon Bible is what I would call a fictitious story, mm-hmm. so you know a, a a myth, so to speak. Um, so what I would just say is that's why you need to know who Jesus is. So if mm-hmm. you want to know who Jesus is, I would go to John chapter one, Hebrews chapter one. So Hebrews says he's not just an angel. So you know that really refutes because he says to what angel did god ever say you yeah. are my son mm-hmm. so jesus has a unique form uh, mormons mistranslate the word begotten mm. they, they, that's where they miss they, they mistranslate that and what it means is he's the only of he's the only of the father mm-hmm. it's a uniqueness in that he's one um, and so that they just say well he's the only son of god that was born in human flesh they kind of really hold on to that um, but You know, we we reject that. Historical Christianity has rejected that. And for about, you know, 1,600 years, we have have worshiped one God who exists Mm -hmm. in three persons. Mm -hmm. That's where the word triune comes from. He's a triune God. Do we understand it fully? No. Mm -hmm. To have Christians identified God perfectly? No. Um, But even in the book of Matthew, we baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, so there's a there's a sense of equality there. Yes. Is what does it mean to be a Christian? We don't just follow God; we we follow God who has a Son and who has sent us His Spirit, mm-hmm. and so we live by those three things. Uh, the the Apostle Paul ends Second Corinthians with me: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so that is you know a closing benediction for the church that we are. We are a people not just of Jesus. We are a people of God the Father. We are a people of His Son. We are a people of His Spirit. Mm -hmm. And and so what has changed for us as Christians is, um, you know, there's so much tension now with the temple um, in Israel. So Muslims are on top, Jews are on the bottom. And here's what Christians don't understand is we are the temple. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are the place where God dwells. And so back to um, Annie Moss's question about masturbation is, Mm -hmm. what do I allow in Mm -hmm. his temple? Mm -hmm. And that's where I really have to sit and wrestle and work through with a pastor. And so sobriety is great. It's great that you're not having sex with people outside. The Lord is celebrating that and Mm -hmm. rejoicing in that. But when I begin to behave like I am the temple of God, you know, there's a seriousness to this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: um, and so, you know, there's there's a laxity in the book of Acts, and, and a lot of people don't understand this, you know. So, you know, I want to be this Acts 2 church where we sell everything and we all live together. Okay, well, there's a problem with that. Does anybody know what the problem with that? The Corinthians got to bail out the church in Jerusalem because they sold all their property and they're poor. <laughs> <laughs> people don't realize that. So the Corinthians who had jobs mm-hmm. had, to, had to bail them out. But in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, and so, right, God. So, you know, the, the, a lot of people talk about the difference between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. Acts chapter five reminds us that it's yeah. the same God. Yeah. And, 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 and what's happening is in the name of God. They, they're they lying about their gift. Yeah. And Peter says, you have not lied unto men, but unto God. Mm-hmm. And, and he drops dead. Mm-hmm. And our God's holiness is real. Mm-hmm. And so when we interact with him, it's not just kumbaya. It's not just, That's right. you know, it's all love and it's all peace. It's all good, man. There's an aspect of God's holiness that is dangerous. And so when I'm interacting with him, I need to be aware of that mm-hmm. danger. Like, oh my gosh, this is... Um, you know, and a lot of times I, I think about Christians like uh, the divers that swim with Shamu in, in San Diego. Mm-hmm. It's, they think Shamu is their pet. Mm-hmm. That's a killer whale, bro. Yeah, and every now and then it reminds us and yeah, it drags its, its master down to the bottom and drowns it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say that that's who God is, but God is dangerous. Mm-hmm. He is powerful. And um, when we interact with him in his holiness— even though our sins are paid for on the cross, even though they're nailed, there's no therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I and Sapphira, yeah, both dropped dead because they forgot what Hebrew says. Our God is a consuming, consuming fire, fire. and so um, we, we must we must not forget that that, and so that's why as a Christian. I don't want to use profanity. I don't want to engage in sex outside of marriage. Um, you know, if I have a, 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 a gay attraction, I, I don't partake in that because I am the temple of God. That's right. Um, and, you know, for my, my gay friends, you know, the harshest judgment, you know, you think about Hulda and what happened to Josiah. They were having gay sex inside the holiest of mm-hmm. holies. And so, so much of the Christian gay community misses that. Mm-hmm. That's what set God off. Mm-hmm. You know, they put a giant penis in there mm-hmm. and they would have male prostitutes and they would come and engage. And God says, this is not how I've called my people to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if I am to entertain the, 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 the almighty God inside of me, that means I must be careful with what right. I allow inside of me. And so... And so, so much of Judaism, we, we fail to understand that's what food is. What do I put inside of me? What do I wear around me? Who do I fellowship with? It's because I am the chosen person of mm-hmm. God. And so, as Christians, we have this weird tension of I am to be holy and yet reach the unholy and the lost. And so, I, have to, I can't be you know, holier than thou, but I need to operate with a sense of I'm something special
2: mm-hmm.
1: to God and I need to live that way. So So good. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, that was a... A little riff. That was a prophetic word for somebody that was listening because it's powerful. I think uh, sometimes we forget the fear of the Lord, right? And that we are the temple and that He lives in us, and uh, we don't want to grieve His Spirit.
1: Yeah, and ultimately, you know, so much of Christianity has become about going to heaven.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. The Christian life is not about me going to god the christian life is about god came to me yeah it's it's the the story of man is that god wants to be with me Mm -hmm. he he built a heaven and earth so that they could be together so when you look at genesis 1 it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so there's this unity Mm -hmm. and sin has broken that Mm -hmm. and um what the temple of god was even in a fallen world the temple of god represented the place where heaven and earth became one Mm -hmm and as christians when i when i repent of my sins and i make jesus christ the lord of my life listen to this the holy spirit of god dwells in me yeah and so now there's this place where heaven and earth are not separate That's right because they are one in me mm-hmm. and i need to really really be careful yeah. with that and as christians we've lost we've lost some of that so
0: so yeah. good Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. That was great to this week's episode. You can always submit your questions anytime via our app or go to move.sc forward slash ask. And we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to the debrief podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend if you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again and have a blessed day.